Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. You're listening to The Source with Andrea Lawful Sanders on Word Radio. Streaming live on wordradio.com and the Word Radio app. Dr. Stacy Holland is the executive director of Elevate 215, a nonprofit organization that serves as a catalyst for advancing educational outcomes for Philadelphia students over the next decade. Inspired by her former students and relentlessly optimistic about the future of education, Dr. Holland has nearly 30 years of experience uh, developing and implementing educational solutions for children. She's going to talk about the recent activities with, with regard to education funding and how it will impact Philadelphia families and schools. Good morning, Dr. Holland, and welcome back to The Source. Good morning, Andrea. How are you? I am good, thank you. Lordy, you know, when you're on the air and you're doing the news and you're covering people's stories, sometimes they're heartbreaking, sometimes they make me angry. But Lord, I love you because I know you're going to give Mova some things to make her heart come back into natural rhythm. <laughs> I can't take it. I cannot take it. So let's just talk about Elevate 215, shall we? Yes, thank you. So first of all, good morning to you and all of your listeners. Um, you know, first of all, I just greet you with extreme optimism. I think we are in a space in this moment that we actually have to focus on the things that are going well. And how do we begin replicating those? Yes. A, because it's a proof point that it is possible. We have to remember children are being educated every day. There are lots of folks in the field, school leaders, teachers, administrators, um, community-based organizations that are wake up thinking about children and they go to mm -hmm. bed thinking about children. Yes. And yeah. so, you know, at Elevate 215, what we're really focused on is highlighting those practices mm -hmm. and then working with our policymakers to get them to support those practices that actually are working well for our kids. Mm -hmm. So we are very excited about the schools we support. We're very excited about this moment we are in right now, which is unprecedented with the state lawsuit. Um, but more importantly, I call it the state opportunity, mm -hmm. right? We have an opportunity to right decades of a wrong understanding it does take money <laughs> to actually educate people and more importantly to educate them well not just to give them the bare minimum which is what the lawsuit was about we're only going to give our kids the bare minimum to exist but now this is an opportunity to actually bring the type of resources in to fund the schools at the levels that we need in order to make sure our young people are competitive in the 21st century so based on what you are hearing um, at the state and federal well, at the state level at this point, what uh, what kind of funding are you expecting and how are you expecting to use it to help the schools in the Philadelphia school district? Well, those, you know, those are very those are very good questions. They're very complicated. So um, and first, I want to say, you know, there's a there's a lot of people have been working on this. Um, funding formula, writing the funding formula for decades. Mm -hmm. um, and clearly I am not the expert, but let me share with you from a practitioner standpoint around how this can look on the ground. Mm -hmm. So uh, first of all, the opportunity at the state level is to correct the amount of money that's coming into local areas mm -hmm. and to make it equitable. 
So Philadelphia would get the amount of money it needs in order to actually educate the children based on who our children are. Considering since our tax base is lower and you, you know, a lot of times we're compared to lower Marion, right. Which actually has a tremendous amount of money, but their tax base is higher. So in Philadelphia, here are the things in which collectively as a community, we've talked about and community, meaning the, the mayor's office, the advocates, the superintendent, right. The superintendent has launched this accelerate Philly plan. One of the things that we have to do to make sure that young people have all they need. It's things like we would be able for curriculum and the professional development required in order to actually teach that curriculum, the social and emotional services, which I'm going to dare say go a step further, right? We're talking about, you know, having psychologists in schools, right? Which is different than having programmatic interventions in schools that you're able to afford the facilities that you need, right? And let's talk about, I'm not talking about just not having asbestos. I'm talking about have technologically equipped equipped facilities that yes are environmentally safe but they actually have the type of technology in the schools that are equivalent to what young people have at home and they're integrated into the classroom Uh, i mean i think when we think about a, a a school that's funded well we need to think about it like you walk into a department store and you have everything you need in that one department store right that's what school should be I have sports, I have curriculum, I have counseling, I actually have after school programs. You know, after school programs are a very important part of development for young people, right? It's where they develop their identity, the arts, culture, sports, things that help them kind of discover who they are. That actually is a part of school. Um, science. Which, 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 which for those of us who were able to put our children that lived in other places outside of Philadelphia and were able to put our children in those schools, those public schools, they had access to all of that. School psychologists from, uh, um, from kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade, school counselors, school resources, just all yeah. the resources. And then they had a social worker social worker that will go into the family's homes and help them and give them everything that they need, you know? And so based on the fact that Philadelphia's tax uh, base is so much lower than these other places where they're supplementing what the government is not giving them at what, what, where are we now in terms of funding? What are we expecting to get? What are we hoping to get? You know, this is the thing about the the budget that we're the budget cycle we're in currently, mm-hmm. right? So now it's a negotiation. Mm-hmm. You know, the goal is that um, ultimately, if you understand the lawsuit, mm-hmm. the lawsuit says we would need five point four billion dollars in the state to correct the formula. Mm-hmm. So um, Philadelphia would get a portion of that on an annual basis. And so the numbers are actually moving. This is part of the process, right? Now it's like, well, what would fill it? What would the state get? What would Philadelphia get? Mm-hmm. At five point four billion will not be in this budget. It'll be right. over time. Right. And so, what will that then lead us to in the twenty twenty five budget? We don't know yet, right? There's been a request that's been made, mm-hmm. but now the question becomes: is how do we actually make sure that that request? actually matches reality. And this is where our elected officials and advocates are really working very hard right now to try and negotiate a budget that would realize an increase. Understanding we actually have a governor and he's been a wonderful governor. 
right? He has actually increased education funding over since his tenure. And that's an awesome thing. Mm-hmm. And we also need to write the ship. So we're not quite where we need to be. We don't know what the final number will be because the state and elected officials are and local officials are in negotiation. Um, but I can tell you, there are some really talented and smart folks that are working on this each and each and every day. So I'm very optimistic. I'm grateful to hear that there are talented and smart folks working on this. Who is engaging the children and the families to send letters of support or letters of why they need, not that they should have to, because you see it all the time, uh, how uh, woefully um, Mm. inadequate, you know, funding has been and who is working with the educators and the people at the school district to then be prepared to accept that level of funding and move forward with it with fidelity so that it doesn't just end up at the top level, but that it actually ends up in the classrooms where the children are being served and the educators are teaching? Well, there's there's two parts to that, right? Who's actually working in community to get those parents and those students activated? And, you know, there's um, definitely student advocacy organizations that are working on it. There are educational advocacy organizations like Children's First and others who are actually working directly in community and trying to bring that bring that voice up. There are also at the district, no, so the district is in its budgeting cycle. And one of the things about having a published plan, which the district does now, that the public can actually hold the district accountable for that, right? In Accelerate Philly, you said this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Has that yep, shown up there. in my school? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what I would say to those organizations, specifically parents, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of times, Andrew, what, what we tend to do is we skip over our parents. But our parents at the end. To of the our day, detriment, right? To our detriment. And to the schools that invite them. Yeah. I've never met a mama ever in my career that's not fighting for her child. Now, she may not, she or he may not have the language, mm-hmm. right? But they will show up at that school and they'll keep asking, how are you helping my kid? Mm-hmm. How are you helping? And then it's up to us as the educators to make sure that we're sharing all the options they have available to them, even if it is not an obvious option, right? That's really important. Who is your child? What does your child need? Um, We see that a lot now as we're in school selection process. Mm -hmm. You know, I no longer think about it as like, oh, well, they applied to the school. My first question is, what's the needs of your child? of your young person. And then let's find the right place for your young person yes. based upon their needs. Cause you came to ask me for this, but based on your need, I think you might need to be over here. Yes. That's the beauty about having a city that has a lot of options. Mm. And we need to start thinking about this work in education, not as district or charter or public or Catholic. Right. It's about we have options for our young people mm-hmm. and different schools do different things for kids. Mm-hmm. And not every kid is designed to thrive. I did not thrive in a regular high school. Mm-hmm. So my mama figured out, I'm going to get my kid to the school across town that she's technically not allowed to go to. Mm-hmm. But there's one program there that's going to meet her need. And if I can get her there, she can thrive. Now I had to walk through crazy snow. I had to do all the things. Mm-hmm. But she was like, I don't care. We are going to figure out how to get you there because that's what you need. And she was 100 percent right. Yeah. And most most parents are doing that in this city. I just had a um, 
a conversation with another mother who said her daughter got into Central and she, the mom, was excited and the daughter chose another school. And she was like, but you know, Central is blah, 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 blah. And the daughter was like, no, but my needs would be best fit over here. And I said to the mother, what did you do? She said, I listened to my daughter and my daughter is going where her needs are best fit. And I just hugged her. I said, because in my head, I hugged her in my head because COVID, you know, I'm just trying to still, but I applauded her for listening to her child, right? Um, you know, Dr. Holland, you and I have had at least three conversations thus far, and I've always been quite impressed about the level of work that you put into children, families, and education. You, you I remember you creating the space at the, the, the convention center for them to come for, you know, I'm telling you, I remember the conversations we had because it was such, just so impactful to me. And I am a, someone who loves children and education, so I talk mm -hmm. about it all the time. What do you think in, in, in your tenure while you are there, do you think we'll be able to move the needle to a place where we're no longer fighting about asbestos in schools, children not getting what they need? Um, you know, is it, is it ego that's stopping us from doing what is right for children? Mm -hmm. You know, um, is it because I, I just can't believe it's, it's just funding alone. Funding is good, but so much has gone unchecked for so long, Dr. Holland, mm -hmm. that we're now in a place trying to not just to catch up, but to just get to the basic space of decency for yes. far too many of our children. Well, so first and foremost, we don't dream for our kids anymore. We have no vision for our kids anymore. Right. We have visions for our independent self. But as a city, we have to have a vision. And that vision has to can look something like this. And what I'm about to describe is a collective vision that has been developed with a lot of educators and community and research and stuff over time. But the truth be told, the vision for our kids is that every single child is prepared to replace us as productive society. Which makes sense, right? The vision for our children is that no child gets left behind. The vision for our children is that they have rigor in the classroom and they have safety when they walk in the door. Safety, more about psychological safety, physical safety, the safety to explore, right? That they can actually be children and that they can play at all levels. Because guess what? Teenagers play, <laughs> right? All the way from the babies, all the way up to the teenagers, that they actually have the types of psychological and um, social emotional services that they need, mm -hmm. that they have. They understand how to use technology well as a learning tool. And that when a child enter gets into a place where they actually have a challenge, that there's a community of caring adults that are organized to, to really pull them through that challenge. Because guess what? They are kids. They're going to do this up and down. They're developing, right? And so we and, have to and, create and, that And Dr. Space. Holland, I, I, I would dare add that we have to adapt to who they are in this time and space and how, uh, you know, um, the World Wide Web has changed the way that they're learning. And mm -hmm. we have to adapt to that, too, um, in ways we're so, we've been so stiff-necked about that. But, you know, again, we have always said, if we don't take care of the children, they will burn the village down. Um, and we have and to teach them the discipline of learning. Like learning is a, is a discipline, right? And it's a process and it happens over time. And we've, we've forgotten that. So the answer to your question, in my opinion, is we have to have vision and we got to call it out. The second thing is we have to hold ourselves, everybody in community accountable for that vision 
And the third is, and this is the part nobody talks about. Nobody. We want to talk about the policy. We want to talk about what's right. But then we've got to build it. You have to get the discipline of putting it into place. Whatever it is you dream about, what we want our schools to be, you then have to have the discipline of actually building it and getting it to work. And that is a human process. The adults have got to operate differently. (laughs) And we have to hold ourselves accountable for that. So no, it's just not money. You can give somebody all the money in the world, but that doesn't mean it's going to work. But it means that you actually, once you get it, because it's not fair that you don't have it, right? It's not equitable. That's not. So let's be clear. So you need the money, but you also need adult behavior to be focused on the outcome. And the outcome has to be how we are providing the best education that we can possibly have for every child, every child. Um, And we can't stand for anything less. Yeah. Dr. Holland, how can they find you, uh, the family? And I'm sure the schools and some level knows where to find you, but how can the families find you to learn more about what you're doing on behalf of them and their children? Yes, they can just contact they can reach out to us via our website at www.elevate215.org. There's an info um, tab. They can click onto that, send us their information, and we can get in contact with them. And we encourage we encourage people to reach out um, because this is a complicated thing that we can make very easy if we just educate people about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and it's not a big secret. Um, and a phone number, please, where they can reach you. <laughs> I always ask that question because there's so many seasoned citizens that say I don't use and they, you know, their, their grandparents were taking care of their grandchildren and putting them through school. So it's all right. When you get the number, Dr. Holland, just send it my way. OK, uh, so we can give the people um, I'll, I'll uh, you send it to Niall and he'll make and I'll do it. on. I'll say it on the air. Okay. It, 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 it has always been a pleasure. I always enjoy talking to you because I am clear that you really give a ratatouille about our children and the educational system and that you're not moved by adults who are stuck in their egos. You really want what's good and right. And I felt that the first time I interviewed you, mm-hmm. um, you confirmed that today. Right. Well, and uh, it, so it takes courage, my sister, to stand in the gap in a way that's helping more, way more people than yourself. And I know it isn't always easy. And again, you and I have not had this conversation. I'm just telling you what I see. Right. And well, so it takes, speaking it, some truth. Listen, so I, I understand. I understand. It takes an incredible amount of courage to do what you're doing day in and day out. And so just know that they're like minded people. And somebody in here is saying you are the truth and the whole truth. I, Ruben Mills. I don't know if you know Ruben, but the people are speaking. See, let your words speak for you that even when you're not in the room, your name will show up. Right. Because you're doing the work. And so today on this two days before. History Month ends. I want to say thank you on behalf of us all. I salute you as a black woman for standing in the gap and doing the work. And I can see the tears coming. I know. But we're going to be all right. I salute you for doing this work because I know it is more than a notion. And I just want you to know that as long as you are there and doing what you're doing, we see you, we appreciate you, and we thank you. Okay? Ashe. Thank you. Ashe. Ashe, my sister. Thank you so much, Andrew. You're so welcome. You keep doing what you do because this Ah. is what we need. You want to talk about more than a notion. (laughs) Talk to you soon, Dr. Holland. Have a good day. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com.